week two of this uh, series called Landmines. And what we're doing in the midst of this series is we are uh, talking about some relevant truths that need to be spoken uh, into our world. And like we said last week, uh, we started, we did part one uh, of our sex talk last week, and we're going to do part two of that today. And so I just want to be clear, if you have uh, anybody below a seventh grader, maybe you're visiting or maybe you're here, if you would like your kids to go back to the uh, uh, Journey Kids, this is a great time for them to be able to go back there. Uh, again, it's up to you if you'd like them to be or not. Our students are in here again for the second week, and we're going we're gonna to talk through some things and have some fun uh, with this today. But some of the stuff in here is a little uh, R-rated, not maybe as bad as last week, which I think we can all uh, admit was just a dumpster fire. But, you know, now we're, uh, uh, you know, n- now we're going there. I do want to be clear about one thing. My staff, you know, we have this tradition in, on our staff that if anybody says uh, a, ba- a wrong word, not a bad word, a wrong word on stage, the rest of us have to make fun of that person for the remaining week. In the first service last week, I said the word gooder. I said this is way gooder, and they made fun of me that. Also, apparently, during this service, when I was talking about libido, I may have accidentally said burrito. And I want to be clear, <laughs> when I'm talking about today, listen, whatever you guys do with food in your, the privacy of your own homes is up to you, but I want to be clear that I did not mean burrito, I meant libido, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you heard that or understood that as well. Uh, what we talked about last week a little bit, and like I said, you can go watch this on our, you can listen to it on our podcast, you can, uh, you can um, um, watch the, the, the service, it's, it's on our website, uh, you can see that if you'd like to get the first part of this, uh, this lesson. But last week we talked about the church usually having no voice or a negative voice when it talks especially about sex. In fact, about a lot of truths, we tend to, to preach away from them rather than, than towards them. And I think this is one of the great failures as churches and as pastors. That we have not always addressed truthful, meaningful things as we should have. We've just kind of kept them at arm's length. Or we've told people it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's sinful, it's awful. And don't get me wrong, there are some parts of sexuality that are bad and unhealthy. But it's like we've only focused on that. We've never redeemed the story. I believe that the church should inspire people towards good behavior rather than just shame them against bad behavior. I think we should tell people, this is how you can do this properly. This is how it's meant to be done. This is, this is what God's intention was when he gave us sex. We talked last week about a great truth that sex is a gift. It's, it's what God gives to a married couple. God says, I want you to have this, and I want you to enjoy this, and I want this to be only for the two of you. We also talked about sex being a reward for covenant, a blessing of covenant. This is why God wants us to be married first before we have kids. Now, if you've done it in opposite order, God doesn't hate you. You're not a terrible person whose life is just destined for ruin. But there's a reason why the covenant of marriage is supposed to come before the covenant of kids. And sometimes when you're a blended family, both of those things occur on the same day. Or if you, you got pregnant and that's why you got married, you're converging these two covenants and it gets confusing. Now, I think we all understand this next point, and that is that if we, if we lived our lives into our faith, it would reprioritize everything in our lives. If we saw all the things that we share in and have as people, as gifts from God, if we spent time making sure that our relationship with God was good first, that would be exhibited in everything else in our lives. And sex is no different. 
the more that we enjoy and share sex with our married partners, the more that it helps us rely on God and says, hey, God knew what he was doing. And it helps us draw towards him and then live out different parts of our lives. Last week we touched a little bit on the Bible and sex. And sex is in the Bible a lot. Not all of them are great stories. Some of them are really bad stories. Some of them are warning stories like David and Bathsheba and some of the others that say, hey, this can be really destructive and difficult and and you need to try to live into it the way that God intended. But there's a lot of stories about sex in Scripture. Uh, Last week we we started with this, and this is where we're going to pick up today. One of the first landmines that we have in sex, or talking about it, is that sex is about me. In over 20 years of counseling, uh, sometimes couples come in, and they say, we're having problems in our sex life. They never say, and I'm really worried about my partner. They always say, I'm not getting what I want. That's how it always starts. It's very easy for us to be incredibly selfish about this, this thing that God has given to us that is designed and meant to be shared. It's amazing how we see it through our own eyes. We don't actually always see it through the eyes of our partner. Now, I'm going to tell some truths today, and we're going to go to Scripture, and I'm going to try to give you some practical application stuff, which might be a little uncomfortable, and, and it's just going to be what it's going to be. So listen up. Here's a few things that I want to tell you. Another landmine, and young people, I want you to hear this. What I see is real. We believe that in our world, everything that we see is real. You walk by the grocery store, and there's these glossy covered magazines, and they've got some, some picture-perfect woman in her swimsuit or however she looks, And I want to tell you something. They have professional people that make them up and people that hold the light just so. And then after they take the pictures, it goes into production and they airbrush like 99.9% of that picture. And what you see on the cover of that magazine isn't real. Yes, the person is there. But the perception is that's not actually what they are like. Even this is the lie that pornography tells as well. Everybody, well, pretty much everybody that that stars in any kind of pornographic material, they're they're beautiful, they're fit, and and it tells us a lie that this is actually real, and that's not what is real or what is true. And our eyes deceive us. We think that's what people really are, and we use that as a judgment against our own lives. Here's another myth that you might disagree with, but let me unpack it. Sex is intimacy. We believe this. We think it is. Here's the truth. Sex is the result of intimacy. Yes, we do call this an intimate moment, and it is. But the act of sex is not what builds intimacy in a relationship. In fact, I think sometimes this is the lie that we believe. If you are struggling, if you are unhappy in your sex life, in the confines of your marriage, I can tell you the problem is not actually about sex. The problem is about intimacy. There's, a, there's several books that have been written over the years. The one um, was called Sex Starts at the Kitchen Table, which meant that when we're eating breakfast, the, the way that we approach our day really determines what will happen maybe that evening, that it has to do with, with a long process. There was also another book that was written, which I thought was great. It, it uh, kind of showed how men and women were different, which obviously they are, according to kitchen appliances. And it says, men are microwaves and women are slow cookers, right? 
Women take all day to warm up. Men were there like that. And it was really saying understanding the differences between those two things and allowing our intimacy to grow through those different roles is really what is beneficial. Here's a truth. Sex is vulnerability and acceptance and purity. There's a reason why we have sex naked. The only other person that sees you naked is God. I know that's gross to think about, but it's true. This is why the story of Adam and Eve, when they're in the garden naked, it's not about the nudity. It's about the fact that there are no secrets between them, and they are completely themselves with the other person. And it is only after they sin that they cover their bodies with shame, and they hide from each other, and they hide from God. There is something powerful about the vulnerability and the intimacy that is grown through vulnerability and the acceptance of the other person and trying to keep our boundaries tight with the purity of our marriage. I'm going to read two texts today that are well worth uh, listening to. The first one is going to be in Hebrews 13. The second one will be 1 Peter 3. If you want to take time and read these later, they will be powerful for you. I'm going to read them out of the message, not because I don't like the other translations, but I love the way that it puts it in relational language for us to hear. Listen to what Hebrews 13, the writer of Hebrews shares this with with the church and gives them some ideas about what this is. It says this, stay on good terms with each other. If there was one piece of marriage advice that we could give people, it would be stay on good terms, right? Held together by love. Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. This is not the marital bed. This is just being hospitable. Why some have extended hospitality to angels without even knowing it. When we, when we open our lives up to people, we, we invite the presence of God. Regard prisoners as if you were in prison with them. Look at the victims of abuse as if what happened to them has happened to you. And then here it is. Honor marriage. And guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. There's an ugly truth in this text that says sex can either bring us together or it can drive us apart. And I find that to be true. This is either something that people, that brings them together in their marriage or it is it is a huge rift in their marriage. It, it, it's something that they struggle with, or they're always past each other, or they're fighting about it all the time, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. One of the things, in order to have a healthy sex life, and guys, I know that this is something that you have to maybe consider as well, is that we have to learn to be forgiving of our past. We have to forgive our own past, but we also have to forgive our partner's past. Now, students, I know you're in here, and I know uh, maybe this is uncomfortable for you, and maybe some of you guys have already gone down that sex road a little bit with, with boyfriends or girlfriends or, or something, uh, you know, whatever might have happened. That is not who you are forever. Maybe some of you in this room, you guys got pregnant, and that's why you got married, or you were, were very promiscuous in, in your college or young adult years. And sometimes we hold on to that and we say, well, God could never love me. I have no value because I have, I have squandered something that God gave me. 
I have couples often that sit down in marriage and they say, you know, we still have this past that, 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 that we, we can't seem to get past. How long is this going to be in our relationship? And my response is simple. It'll be there as long as you give it a chair at the table. And some of you need to take that chair out back and burn it and throw it away and stop giving your past a seat at the table. And some of you maybe have stepped out in your marriages or you've, you, you, you've gone down the road of pornography or you've done other things and, it, and you've decided to work on your marriage. There needs to be a point where you say, listen, we've got to draw lines and forgive what has happened and start from here. Because if you live in a marriage with unforgiveness, it's not a marriage. It's a prison sentence. And sometimes we have to forgive our own past and sometimes we have to forgive the past of our partner. And it will be there as long as you allow it to be there. But let's talk a little bit today about sex and fears or sex and and insecurity. Let's talk about that today because we all have them and we bring those to the table or we bring them into the bedroom and then we project them onto our spouses uh, and we need to consider what these things ultimately are. Number one is this. We have to respect the roles. Men and women are different. We don't think the same. We're not built the same. But there is a difference between us. We both have insecurities and fears. They're just different. We have to respect that you are, you are the wife, you are the husband, and we've got to try to, to, to stay in our corner but also find ways to come together and stop trying to dominate the other person in their role as well. For women, I think it's primarily this. I'm not a woman, but hopefully you understand what I'm saying and you agree with this. For women, it is youth and expectations. We are a culture that worships at the fountain of youth. Youth is everything. And women expectations, a lot of which, you know, you put on yourselves or what the world tells you you're supposed to be, maybe supposed to be in the bedroom. And so now we celebrate these things and we've created this comfort. You know, the, the number one um, request that plastic surgeons get in this day and time is that people say, I want to look like my Snapchat What we're telling people is who you are is not good enough. You need to be better. That's why we we see the rise of of men and women using Botox and using performance enhancing everything. And we live in a world where we don't love our bodies anymore. I saw this, this plastic surgery meme this week and I thought it was brilliant. But it's true, isn't it? We actually, we actually want to have the appearance of the past, but it's all plastic. It's all fake. Women, I want you to hear these words that hopefully are encouraging to you. Men do not see what you see. You have a mirror in your bathroom or in your closet, and every morning when you get dressed, you do the 101-point inspection, don't you? I'm going to say this as delicately as I can, but please hear it for what it means. We do not see what you see. And part of the reason for that is because we've got the goodies we want. And we're not really focused on anything else. And if you saw yourselves the way that we see you, it would change the way that you looked at yourself. Women want acceptance and safety. Listen, men, 
when it comes to kids, we get up easy. Our contribution is pretty quick and pretty small. Women bear the price with their bodies sacrificially for kids. And let me tell you something, men. Don't ever judge the wife that has borne your children against the woman who has not. She has sacrificed for you to have. Don't look at her and say, hey, are you carrying a few extra holiday pounds? Or maybe it's time to go back to the gym. They need to be accepted and loved before anything else. And we need to do a better job of affirming in you that you are beautiful and wonderful and that we are happy to be in relationship with you. For men, it's a little different. It's about virility and strength, right? We've got to always be strong and tough, and we've, we've got to be virile. And so men are, are eating handfuls of colorful pills to try to maintain their high school days or their college days. And so we're, we've gone the other way with trying to present ourselves as strong with no weakness, with no difficulty, vulnerability. What's that about? That's not for me. I need to be strong. Men, let me tell you something. Women want leadership or the heart. They don't want muscles. Muscles are great, but they want what's in here first. They want to know that you love them wholly and truly first, that you will be in the trenches with them no matter what. You show them a beautiful heart, that's all that they are going to care about. Women want leadership. They want heart, not muscles. Stephen, you can go to that next slide if you don't mind it. The other thing about this is between men and women, we have to understand and we have to respect the rhythms. Men and women have different rhythms. Men, generally speaking, want sex more than women want sex. Now, there is a time between 40s and 50s usually where a woman comes into her own sexual prime and sometimes the roles change for a little while. But there is a natural. When you're in your 20s and 30s, it looks very different than if you're in your 70s or your 80s and beyond. A lot of times couples will sit down in my office and we'll talk about they're having a fight about how much is enough. And they sit down and they say, well, how much sex should we be having? And I ask them, I say, well, what do you think is right? And the wife will say, I think once a week is plenty. And the, the man will say, I think three times a week is, is, is enough for me, is like the bare minimum for me. And I ask them, I say, well, how do we consolidate this? And everybody usually answers this the same way. They say, well, marriage is about compromise, so the right answer is two. And it's wrong. Because two is twice as much as the woman wants, and it still doesn't get to the man's minimum requirement. And most of the time, what they have done is they have started to see each other as an object to get something. That's actually the wrong question. Because selfishness and false perception destroys marriage. And you have to be careful about this. Because sometimes the man, I was on the golf course with Bob, and he and his wife, you know, they're just, they're just getting after it. Yeah, but this is Bob's third marriage, and his wife is 10 years younger than him and still trying to impress him. It's not real. And you are judging the mother of your children that you've been married to for 20 years against something that, that is, is not actually where you are. And you are destroying where you are because you're being selfish and you're believing the lies. I think one of the things that God says quite clearly in the midst of this is that we have to honor the needs of our spouse. We have to make sure that we realize that we are different. And I think one of those things is this. Listen, women, stop telling your husbands that they're sex maniacs 
and something is wrong with them and they need to go talk to their doctor. And, and man, stop looking at your wives and saying, you're such a prune and you need to go and see your doctor. Our needs are not the same and we need to stop villainizing and demonizing the other side. We have to recognize that our needs are different and there's a way for us to come together. There's a way for us to build something that matters and means something if we are committed to that other person. The first one is this. It's quite easy. You've got to make an effort. And this is where I want to talk just for a minute about yoga pants. Okay? We love yoga pants, girls. We do. When I go pick up my kids at school, Haley's schedule is not as flexible as mine. And so it's a sea of yoga pants and hats. And you know what I mean. Listen, some of your husbands are waking up in the morning and they're going to work with women who got up at 4 a.m. to look good. I'm not saying you need to get up and be in full makeup and, you know, dress and makeup every day, but there are moments where you need to make an effort. You need to try to look good for your spouse, not just go, well, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm going to be behind closed doors today, so I'm not going to make any effort. You've got you to gotta show up. When we're, when we're newly married, it's all about Victoria's Secret and enticing each other. You've been married for 15 years. I'll look at her and say, man, you look good in that Garfield T-shirt. Okay, it's just where you are. But sometimes you've got to just show up in those moments and make an effort when that effort is there. Another way to say this is simple. Men have the need for sex. Women have the gift of sex. You guys have the key to our hearts in your hands. And we just take it as a compliment that we want you, that we love you, that we want to be with you. It's an, it's an expression. It's the Neanderthal brain in us that can express love towards you. I'm going to tell you some secrets about sex, which hopefully are, are positive and good. I want to talk about being the domestic helper and sex. When women were polled, they asked, when, when are your husbands most attractive? The woman's response was, when they are doing domestic chores. You didn't know that, did you? I'll tell you what. Vacuuming is like lingerie for women. You come home, she comes home, she's had the kids, and you're in the living room. Most of the moms, they can carry kids, don't they? I'll tell you what. You go home. If you don't know how to cook, you can pick something up. You say, hey, I unpacked the dishwasher. I cleaned the bathrooms, even though I know I didn't do it right. I still tried. I did the dishes. I wanted you to come home, and I want us to just sit down and have a nice meal together. That'll mean something. The old saying is this, that uh, many men are just a clean house away from the night of their dreams. So some of you need to get home and become, I'm not saying more, do, you need to become more domesticated. You need to say, I'm a helper, I'm a partner. This is about us. Instead of watching TV, well, when you're done making dinner and doing the dishes and bathing the kids and reading the stories, I'll come in as the hero and kiss them goodnight, and then I'll be like, hey, you ready? Just step in and help and show up. Make an effort with her as well in the world that she is in, and it will change the way that she sees you, and it will change the things that happen between you. The second thing is this. Men need respect, not judgment. You need to respect your spouses. Your man wants to be the leader. You need to tell him he's doing a good job, sometimes even when he isn't. When Haley believes in me, it changes the way that I believe in myself. 
And women, don't be disrespectful to your husband. Don't tell them there's something wrong with them. Don't put them down. Don't tell them how your last husband was better or how somebody else, you know, Bob at work, he does something. Don't do that. Respect your spouse. The same is true for women. Women need safety, not guilt. They don't need your little catty comments. They don't need you to drop sarcastic hints about things that they should do differently. They need to feel safe when they come home to know that you are their protector, that you are, that you are the man of their heart, and that you are going to keep them safe in this world. The number four one is easy. Words matter. You've got to say things that bring life not things that are going to tear the other person down. Don't use words like, well, you used to. Well, if you were just more like this, or if you were less like your mother, these words do not help. We need to speak beautiful words in our marriages to our spouses. We need to lift them up. We need to see them as better than us. I'm going to give you some rules for, and I do this with every premarital couple that comes in, and I talk to them about this. Rule number one is do only what is mutual in the bedroom. Only what both of you sit down and agree to, which means you're going to have to talk about it. There might be things that you don't want to do. Nobody should ever have to do something that they feel uncomfortable with. But you've got to sit down and say, hey, this is allowed, this is not allowed. And the only people that matter is not that you go and do some research with all your friends, You sit down with this person and you say, I see you and I know who you are and I love who you are and this is what we have decided together. The second rule is this, no one else in the bedroom. I know that 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 you know being in, in swinger relationships is all the craze or people that say we watch pornography together to get in the mood. Don't do or we videotape it. Don't do any of that because it allows other people into your bedroom and that is reserved for you and your spouse and for God alone. You've you've got to learn that nobody else is welcome in that space. And you've got to guard and protect that, like your life depends on it because it does. The third one is you need to have fun. If you don't laugh often during sex, you're not doing it right. Okay? You need to have fun. And based on the first two rules, Listen, if you want to role play a little bit, knock yourself out. Put on your Superman outfit and have a big time. It's not, it's not, just enjoy it. God wants us to have fun with it. He wants us to laugh. He wants our bodies to make weird noises and, oh, well, no, that's, not, that's not sexy. That's not attractive. Let's not do that again. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to kind of, it's meant to sort of break you open and have a good sense of humor about it, and laugh together, and enjoy together. The other one is part four is you need to talk to that person. Talk about it. Talk with that person only. Don't talk about anything else. Haley and I made a commitment 15 years ago when we got married. We do not talk about our sex life anymore. It's between me and her alone. I don't high-five people. Neither does she. It's ours. And we guard it by not talking about it with anyone else. And when you talk about it to somebody else, you're stepping into the world of control. And you're saying to that person, you're not good enough. It all kind of comes down to this. Who you have been is not necessarily who you are. We sang a song before the sermon that says, it's who you say I am. And those words need to 
be in our lives and in our hearts in powerful ways. Some of us have made mistakes. Some of us have gone down bad roads, and we need to start with forgiveness. Some of us have made bad choices. And somewhere in our lives, the enemy says, well, that's who you are now. And you need to hear the words of the Father that says who you were is not necessarily who you are. If you're in a marriage that you feel is about to come apart because this is bad, you can continue to choose that, or today can be a new day. Today you can say, we are committed to something bigger and better. It's not about me. I'm setting it aside. We are going to talk about it. We're going to engage it. We're going to celebrate what God has given to our marriage, and we're going to use it the way that God wants us to use it. And here are some truths. We've got to learn to speak life into each other, not complaints. We complain far too much in our world about everything. Everything's, well, I don't get what I want enough. Stop complaining about it. Start speaking life into your spouse, into that other person. Honor your spouse, their needs, their body, their soul. See them for who they are first. And I promise you, God will help you figure out the rest. That's why we include him. I know that that sounds weird, but you need to be praying about it. If you're struggling in your sex life, it's probably an intimacy problem, but God can help with that. We need to tell God, hey, God, I want to have a great sex. I want to celebrate the gift that you have given to me and my spouse. And if I have some things in my life that I need to get rid of so that it'll kind of open the you know, the gateway so that we can really celebrate and come together in the midst of this, God will help you to do that. But if you start with speaking life, not complaints, and honoring your spouse and their needs, and getting this right, (laughs) God will take care of the rest. That's why I want us to listen with fresh hearts today. 1 Peter chapter 3 is one of the most profound passages about how we need to see sex in our marriages. Just listen to these words. If you want to want to close your eyes for a second and just listen, just you're not you're not meant to be convicted for your partner, just convicted for yourself. He says this in 1 Peter 3. The same goes for you wives. Be good wives to your husbands. Responsive to their needs. There are husbands who indifferent as they are to any words about God, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but the inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty. Be gentle, gracious, kind, that that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God the way they were. And they were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Sarah, for instance, taking care of Abraham, would address him as, my dear husband. You'll be true daughters of Sarah if you do the same, unanxious and unintimidated. Same goes for you, husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you're equal. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. Summing up, 
be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions. No retaliation. No sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job. Who you have been is not who you are. And if you've gone down a bad road, it can end today. You know, we're about to sing a song. The song is it's one of my favorites. It's called King of My Heart. And what it is about is making sure that my relationship with him is first and foremost. That God is the king of my heart and Haley is the queen of my heart. And when we get those two things together and get those things right, our marriages will thrive. They will be beautiful and wonderful. Young people, let me tell you something today. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Wait for somebody who is worthwhile. Wait for somebody who wants to give you covenant. And it will change the way that you live your life. If you've made mistakes up to this point, that's okay. Everybody in this room has made mistakes. But hear the words of what God is saying. Who you might have been is not who you have to be. And that applies to all of us. We have a chance to actually lead with different hearts and different minds and different ears and different eyes than when we came. The only question is, what will we choose? We choose to be who we were, or will we choose to be who God says we can be? I know that not everybody in this room is married. I know that some of you are single. Maybe some of you are post-divorce. Maybe some of you are really struggling in your marriages. I want to offer a word of blessing, a prayer over us today. That just honors God's place in our marriage. So let's pray together this morning. Father, I thank you that we can have fun at church. Thank you that we can talk about real truth unashamedly. But Father, today I just pray that whatever words we've heard, that we would hear the words of honor in the midst of them. God, that maybe some of us have been married for a long time, maybe some of us have been married for a short time. God, whatever truth we have heard today, may we put it into practice. May we build our lives back. May we find you, even though sometimes we are prone to selfishness and complaint and false perceptions. God, I pray that if there are men in this room, that we will see our beautiful wives with new eyes, that we will speak words of life and power over them. And Father, if there are wives in this room who maybe have been unkind to their husbands or judgmental, God, we pray that you would just help them to feel their role of being respectful and lifting up their husbands. And Father, above all, we just pray that we would get our faith right with you, that we would stand where we need to with you and that you would be the source 
of everything good in our lives. God, keep the enemy far from us. Keep the temptations away. Help us to build our lives on you, Jesus, as the King of our hearts. And we pray this in your powerful and life-changing name. Thank you.